0: that we're calling The Temple of the Holy Spirit and we're uh, deep into that now and if you haven't been with us uh, you can go online and uh, at um, uh, there's more than one website but uh, you can uh, at the uh, Word Supply you can find the series no, no cost and you can catch up with us But this is such revelation, and even a lot of church-going people have not thought too much about this, but the body that you and I have right now, touch your hand or somewhere, this body is a part of the eternal body of Christ. A lot of folks don't believe that. This body. And people say, well, you know, I'll be glad, you know, when I get my new body. Well, it'll actually be this body glorified. Now, sometimes people think, oh, I don't like this one. I wanted a new one. You'll be very happy once it's glorified. Everything will be fixed. <laughs> but it's important to realize that. That the Lord thought so much of you and all of us that He purchased the body that you're residing in right now, and made arrangements for it to exist for it to exist throughout eternity, That's right. Thank you, Lord. and for it to be glorified and changed. Something that the Lord's been saying to me for years now, and I never really taught on it. Until we got to this series. But every once in a while. He would uh, bring this thought to my mind. That his people. Talking about us. Don't appreciate our bodies enough. We're not thankful enough. For our bodies. We haven't valued them. Like we should. Many. um, Many Christians. Actually despise. Their own bodies. You'll find people, they hate their body, which is really ignorant right. because without a body, you have no life on earth. Right. Amen. This, this is what gives you your access to life on earth. And granted, nobody's body is perfect because of the fall and because of the curse. Even if you say, well, you know, somebody had a baby and they say, well, uh, it was perfect, you know, not really. Uh, if you examine even what we call a perfect child or a perfect body, one eye is a little bit bigger than the other, one leg a little bit longer or shorter than the other, uh, the curse has affected everything. And so really what we call soundness and health is just good working condition. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and it's not going to be perfect. Not, none of our bodies are going to be perfect until they are changed. The trumpet's going to sound. Anybody read about that? And and we're going to be changed. And it's going to happen fast. In a moment. In the blink of an eye. Woo! What's going to happen? Well, the same thing that happened to Jesus' body when it was raised from the dead in that tomb, that's going to happen to your body and my body, and this mortal is going to become immortal, and this corruptible is going to become incorruptible. Now, I don't know if we really know what that means, but it means no more pain, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying, no more weakness, no more aging. So, if you can just keep it together for a few more days, All right. is that right? And finish your job down here and be faithful, you got it made from now on. You got it made from now on. Somebody say, with the Lord's help, I can keep it together and serve God for a few more days. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. 1 Corinthians 6, did you find it? Before we read it, I want you to say it out loud and, and say it like you mean it. Say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord for, my body. for my body. I appreciate my life, appreciate my life. on earth, on earth. And, the and the opportunities. Thank you for my body. For my body. Amen. Amen. One of the reasons you show that you are thankful is that you don't abuse it. You don't mistreat it. And you take care of it. Now you can go too far, you know, if all you think about is diet and exercise and you think about that more than you do serving God, well, that's out of balance. But you can also abuse your body and, and you know, put things into it that's, that hurts it and damage it, you know, you, addictions of different kinds and, and whatever the case might be. And don't take anybody's rule book. And don't, I, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but a lot of people's diet that they claim to be perfect 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh-huh. guess what? <laughs> we found out, uh uh-uh, don't do that. Right. What do you think is going to happen 20 years from now? <laughs> people look back at what people said was perfect now and go, oh, why were they doing that? You know? Uh, but there is somebody inside you who really does know. And the thing is, bodies differ. No, no two bodies are exactly the same. That's right. And so the only way to get it right is pay attention to the Holy Spirit inside you. And when he prompts you, do this. Do it. When he prompts you, stop doing that. (laughs) Stop doing that. And don't try to push your convictions off on somebody else. Is that right? And don't let them push their stuff off on you. Be led by the Spirit and uh, trust him. And that he can and will sustain you so that your body will serve you as long as you need it. Amen. Is that right? right. And, and you won't just, you know, exist, but that you will function fully. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. My whole life until I run my race and finish my course, Amen. and then I leave here, if it's before the trump sounds, then I leave here. But then the next thing that happens is everything gets fixed. In 1 Corinthians 6, we better pray. i got a lot of notes here. Lord, we ask you for the anointing and the utterance and eyes and ears that see and hear and answers for today and to get it right. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, he said, uh, um, verse 9, he said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And if you'll notice, a lot of that is things that people do with their body. Uh, verse 11: And such were some of you. Did you notice that word, were? Right. Such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. You were some of these things. But now you are washed, sanctified, justified. And it's really important that we not judge others. Because to do so is to be a hypocrite. Just because you had not done it in 20 years doesn't mean you never did it. A lot of folks did a lot of stuff back in the day, B.C., before Christ. Is that right? right. (laughs) And you were right in the middle of some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be, but a lot of people were. But now you are, you're no longer that, you are washed, Mm -hmm. justified, sanctified. But if you're seeing somebody that's in some of that stuff... To come down on them and say, how could you do that? That's being a hypocrite. Because you did it. That's right. Yeah, but that was way back long ago. Well, in a few years, it'll be way back long ago for them if they get saved. That's right. That's good. Is that right? That's right? Don't be a judge because if you are, you're a hypocrite. Acting like you never missed it. Acting like you never messed up. And if God is gracious to forgive you. Right, yes, we ought to be gracious. Yes. Is that right? Yes, to forgive others, yes, and re- you you take the, the the person that's in the lowest, uh, filthiest dregs of sin, and get them born again, and blood washed, and spirit filled. Yes. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. <laughs> They're just as clean and righteous and healed as any Christian in church. Amen. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's only by his blood and grace. Right. Everybody said out loud, "No judging." No, no judging. judging. No judging. Now he talked about that uh, they were saying all things are lawful, all things are permissible to us, and the reason he got into this is because of the previous chapter. They had some things going on in the church that should not have been going on. Now this is New Testament church. This First Corinthians. That we're a part of the same church they are. And in 1 Corinthians 5, notice it, let's read it again. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. He said, it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now, we've gone into some detail about these things, and if you weren't with us, I I encourage you. Go on the website, uh, get the previous messages, because there's a lot in there that applies to this. We We talk about how that there's already scripture in Leviticus 18 that expressly, specifically forbid being involved with your stepmother. There's a verse for it. And how that, why then, as a New Testament church, are they acting like it's no big deal? It was a perversion of grace. Are you listening? That because now we're not under the law, everything's okay. Well, this is not true. This is not right. This is this is thinking wrong. It's true we're not under the law, but nothing was ever wrong with the law. The law was right. It's just that people failed to keep it. The law still is right. How many think it's still a bad idea to get involved with your stepmother? Huh? Or any of the Ten Commandments. I mean, they are still, lying still a bad idea. Oh, yes, yes. Right? Murder. Yes. Worshipping false idols. Yes. Certainly. Yes. Certainly. That's all still perfectly right and good. God never changes. But uh, He says to them, You have this, and and you've got to read both letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, together to get the whole picture of this. This is obviously a man and a woman in the church. They're they're not just visitors. They're part of the church at Corinth. Apparently had been born again. Uh, That's the implication. And the man's father is also in the church. And he has gotten involved now, not with his mother, but with his stepmother, his father's uh, wife. And now they are living and acting like a couple, also still involved in the church. And everybody's okay with this. At the church at Corinth, they were. Because they took something Paul said and they twisted it. They said, all things are lawful for me. And so they said, well, great. That's the religion I've been looking for. I mean, everything's okay. Just do whatever, whatever you want. Everything's fine. God don't care. God don't care. We're not under the law. Well, the Spirit of God is correcting them. And let's keep reading because there's some specific things that are not talked much about today. And yet it's just as much New Testament as any other chapter. He said, you're puffed up, and if not rather mourned that he that has done this thing might be taken away from among you. Now this, some people would consider too severe. Uh, taken from among you, you're going to find out in a couple of verses, he tells them, put them out. Put them out? Where's the love of God in that? It's there, big time. Now what you'll find is that the enemy, uh, he transforms himself into an angel of light. And the devil actually purports himself to be more accepting than God. Are y'all listening? Have you heard any of this? They're like, oh, that's just... Uh, That's not love. Put them out. That's not love. God is love. Is that right? And whatever He says is love, whether it looks like it to you or not, it is. But the devil says, "No, that ain't love. That ain't putting them out. Ain't love. We love everybody. Come on, just as you are. We love you like you are. No need to change." No need to repent. Love accepts you as you are. That's not a verse. See, the enemy is really tricky. He's really subtle and deceptive. Let's keep reading this. He said, verse 3, I, as absent in body but present in spirit, I've judged already uh, concerning him that's done this. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Is that love? Y'all are too quiet now. huh? Am I reading the Bible? I didn't write this. You didn't write. Is this right? Now keep reading. Um, One thing he said, he said, uh, verse 6, your glorying is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? That's uh, yeast. He said, uh, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you're unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. He's saying if you don't deal with this, this will spread through the whole church, yes. like yeast. Well, what about love for the other people and their their marriages and their families and their situations? Skip on down to the uh, uh, verse 11. He said, I've written to you not to keep company if any man that's called a brother... Be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. Well, that sounds like you're cutting people off. And you're excluding people. And that's not love, is it? Yes, yes it is. If God says do it, yes. He's love. Amen. Is that right? Yes. Now, Hebrews talks about that God chastens those He loves. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And, and, and Proverbs talks about this. If you if you let your child go and don't correct them, it means you don't love them enough. You don't care enough about to go through what it takes to do that. Well, God loves you enough to correct you. Is that right? And chasten you. Now that doesn't mean that He's you know putting disease on you, right? That doesn't mean He's breaking your legs. And, uh, no. Uh, but uh, some things you have to be shaken to realize the seriousness of them oh, yeah. And if you don't if you keep going down that wrong path, mm. it can lead to absolute destruction. Yes. Yes. So love will not let you drive off a cliff without saying a word. Yes. huh? Yes. And so he goes on to say, um, verse 13. Them that are without God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll find if you read 2 Corinthians that they did that. That's what they did. They put them out. Who? The man who's living with his stepmother. They put them out. Now. In talking about that, why did he say, you back up in the chapter, that to um, uh, turn them over to destruction? Why? Verse 4 In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit to deliver such an one to Satan, not to God. God's not the destroyer. Verse 5 Why? Verse 5 Why? Why would you do something so extreme? Why? Is there anything worse than your flesh being destroyed? Is there anything worse than being cut short in in life? Yeah. It's being lost. I said it's being lost. That the spirit may be saved in the day of... Of the Lord Jesus, there's coming a time when all mankind's going to be judged, That's right. and only those that are in Christ are going to be saved. And if you didn't get that right in this lifetime, the worst thing that could happen to you was nothing that happened in this life. It was dying lost. So why uh, why was this necessary? Because they saw nothing wrong with the path they were on. Can you see this now? They weren't going to change just because you tried to talk to them. And by the Spirit of God, Paul perceived they were not just on the path of losing things in this life. They were on the path of being lost. Winding up lost. Is that possible? I know we're dealing with some substantial subjects today, but can you take it? huh? Can we see it in the Word? Go to the book of Jude. Just one chapter in the book of Jude. They kept saying that uh, everything's lawful. All things are lawful. And Jude talks about a perversion of grace. In Jude, just one chapter... Verse 4, he said, There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, the word lasciviousness means no restraint. Do anything. Everything's okay. No restraint denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He gives an example of people who were saved out of Egyptian bondage, but then afterwards destroyed. They would not repent. They would not change. Can you see this? Now we know that from 2 Peter three nine, God is not willing that any Amen. should perish but that all should come to repentance. Go with me to Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. And the 6th uh, chapter. The enemy is so deceptive. He is so crafty and uh, he doesn't start out trying to get you to deny the Lord if you're a believer. He knows that's not going to work. He starts with another thing and he's willing to work on something for 40 years to keep moving you more towards that area. The Bible talks about the sin unto death. And there's a lot of confusion about this. But look in the Scripture in Hebrews 6, verse 4. It said, It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come If they shall fall, to renew them again to repentance. Now you can see readily, a baby Christian couldn't do this. They don't know enough about God to even do this. Notice, somebody that has been enlightened. That means they saw they were lost. They saw their need for Jesus. Then they tasted the heavenly gift. That is Jesus. That is salvation. They were born again. Then they're made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Can you see this? They received and were filled with the Spirit. And they tasted of the good word of God. That means they didn't just hear a couple of light sermons. They fed on substantial word. And the powers of the world to come. That's the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. This is a, a Christian of some maturity and some development. And it says, if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Now, here's the thing. It didn't even say God wouldn't forgive them. What it said is, you can't get them to repent. And that's the problem. It goes on to say, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. This is the worst insult and disrespect a child of God could ever do. What do you mean? Treat the sacrifice of Jesus like it's nothing. Treat the blood that was shed like it's common. Just another man. And you can be saved as long as you want to be saved. Huh? If you've been born again and you know the Lord, you are secure. Is that right? Unless and until after having come to know him and tasted his goodness and experienced some of his good things, you take a path where eventually you get to the point where you say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I don't believe in all that. That's nothing to me. If you do that, you are lost. And apparently this these people were on a path that would have taken them to that place. And it was so serious and so severe that Paul gave the instruction to turn them over to destruction. Why? Because in their desperation, they could could cry out to God and come back to him. And maybe they die young, but it sure does beat going to hell. Come on, can you see this? And it wouldn't have been God's choice any of that so uh the the Bible actually says in first John that if you see somebody sin a sin, you can ask God to have mercy on them, and he will he 'll give them life unless they do this that is the exception that he 's talking about and the, the a person who 's done this again, let me give you an example that 's a person who got saved, knew God, grew in the Word, experienced even miracles and His things, and then over the process of time, they leave God, they quit praying, they quit going to church, they quit doing any of that, and friends go to them and said, Please, you know, uh, come back to God, and they'd cuss you out, Mm -hmm. and they say, I don't believe in all that junk anymore, Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. That person is lost. Mm -hmm. And so to spare these individuals from keeping down that path until they got to that place. Is that love? I said, is that love? To spare you from hell? That is love. Even though it seems harsh. And it is hard. Uh, And these things that they're dealing with and that they'd have to deal with. But they didn't have to go through any of that. They could have listened to God way back there years before. Is that right? Never started down this path. Never wound up in these things. If you believe God's a good God, raise your hand. I want to see. If you, if you believe God is, is love and goodness. So don't let unbelievers tell you that God's not love. And don't let unbelievers tell you that the Bible is hate speech. That shows how deceived they are. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 2. Are you ready for some good news? Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, the Lord must have thought you could handle it today. So, 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians comes after 1 Corinthians. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so this is the results of what happened when he charged them in chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, put these people out. In, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1, he said, I determined this with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who's he that makes me glad? But the same who's made sorry by me. You know, uh, you ought to think about that next time you get ready to jump on somebody. Because y'all get all upset. And then now, who's gonna who are you going to have fun with? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you want to kind of think ahead on this. Uh, he said, I wrote this same to you, lest when I should come, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Paul's saying by the Spirit, when I wrote you that letter in 1 Corinthians, I told you to put those people out. I was crying while I did it. See, godly people take no no enjoyment in correction and discipline. They're, they're not playing big shot and feeling the power. He he said I, I was weeping. When I wrote it. Not that you would be grieved. But that you might know the love. Which I have more abundantly to you. He He's saying. It was out of love. Out of love for you. Out of love for your church. Out of love for your families. Out of love for that couple. Right. Is that right? Yes. Can you see this church? Yes. See the outside didn't see this. They call it, you know, cruelty and all these other kind of things. And it's actually love. He said, uh, if, if any have caused grief, he's not grieved me. He's talking about the man that got involved with his stepmother. He said, it wasn't because I was so upset about it that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this uh, punishment, which was inflicted of many. So they did. They acted, they obviously acted on the letter, and they put them out. He said, so that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love. Toward him. The, the guy must have repented. Right. Is that right? Yes. And what's he saying now? Forgive him. Is that right? Yeah. Forgive him. Confir- he must have repented. Right. Isn't that what God wanted all along? He, wanted, he don't want him excluded. He don't want him right. But he can't treat him like this is okay. Right. We can't just look the other way and go. No I know God said that. But let's just ignore what God said and all things are lawful and we're under grace. No, that's misrepresenting God and it's ignoring the fact that the wages of sin is death. It will work death in your life. It'll hurt you. And if you take it far enough and you get so messed up in your mind that you think you don't need Jesus anymore, you can wind up lost. He said, forgive him. I beseech you, verse 8, That you would confirm your love toward him. For to this end I did write. Thomas is writing now. That I might know the proof of you. Whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything. I forgive also. And if I forgave anything. To whom I forgave it for your sakes. Forgave I it in Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant. Of his devices. This is restoration. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. thank you, Lord. And now those verses that he started out with in 1 Corinthians 6 apply to this man. And maybe the woman, and I don't know the whole situation. But when he said, such were some of you. But you are washed. You are justified. You are sanctified. Man, this is a happy ending. Isn't it? This is a good ending. Started out so rough and, and judgment and harsh, but it was all love because what was his desire? That I don't lose them. Right. Right. That I certainly don't lose them eternally. But, and then the best case scenario is that they repent and get back in church now. Amen. Is that right? Thank you, Lord. And apparently that's what happened. Forgiven, comforted, received, restored because they repented. Yes, sir. Oh, somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands. Lift your hands and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Go ahead, stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. God's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's, He's a faithful God. He's a gracious God. Oh, somebody say He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. 1 Corinthians 11, I want to read this and then we'll, uh, we'll pray just a little bit. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one says, If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. When we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Even in judgment, it's love. Is that right? To keep you out of the judgment at the end. Is that right? I guarantee you, you'd much rather deal with something now than later. But if you'll judge yourself and repent, no judgment at all. Jesus already paid for it and you just received that. Focus on him. Say it out loud, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, for being kind, merciful to me and to mine. Hallelujah. If you know of somebody in your family, co-worker even, neighbor even, And they're on the wrong path. You know, denying the Lord. Acting like there's no heaven and hell and no judgment. Let's pray for them. You got somebody in mind? You can call their name under your breath. Sit out loud. Lord, I lift them up to you. I ask for mercy. That you would send laborers cross their path. I break the power of darkness and confusion from off their minds that they may see the light, the light of truth, the light of the gospel. I ask you, Lord, grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That they may recover themselves out of the snare and trap of the devil. I ask for it. Send laborers across their path. And reveal yourself to them. And grant them mercy and repentance in Jesus' name I ask. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. 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 to workers, would you come to the front? Just keep your eyes and mind focused on him. We don't know who's in the house or, or who's watching online. But if you've gotten away from God, it's time to come home. It's time. There won't be a better, sooner time. Then right now, you can draw near to him, and he will respond and draw near to you. Everybody pray and say out loud, I, bu- I, confess, Jesus I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. As the Lord of my life. I, repent I repent of all sins, sin, disobedience, disobedience, rebellion. rebellion. I, repent I repent and I receive, and I receive Your forgiveness. forgiveness. And cleansing. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, putting my name in the Lamb's book of life, making me free from the judgment to come. Hallelujah.